Welcome to church this morning. Hey, it's good to be back. Thank you so much for releasing us up to um, Kaitaia last week, and we had a fantastic time. I always love going up there, but we couldn't do that unless everybody here did what they can do. And I hear you had a, a fantastic time with David and Greta. And uh, if you weren't here last week, please uh, listen to the message on the CU podcast. Uh, one of the prophetic insights that uh, David spoke about, which really sort of um, was uh, just picked up by the Holy Spirit for me, was that he said converting the presence of God into the power of God is done by activating our faith. Let me just say that again. Uh, converting the presence of God into a release of the power of God is done by activating our faith. That's so important because uh, we've had three visiting speakers over the last uh, couple of months and every one of them have commented about the heavy sense of the presence of God uh, in, our, um, in our services. And so we need to be encouraged by that. Sometimes when you're going week after week after week, you don't notice the incremental increase in the presence of God. But he, he is here and he is manifesting himself because he wants to do things in people's lives. And that presence of God needs to be converted into the power of God. And we do that by grasping hold of it and activating it by faith. And so when you sense the presence of God, uh, coming on you in a, in a service, ask God, what do I need to do? If, if it's a breakthrough in situations and circumstances, then, then ask him for it. And uh, let's, let's see that happen because he's near. He wants our faith to be activated and he wants us to start praying and believing for manifestations of the Holy Spirit. You know, Jesus said that out of our innermost being would flow rivers of living water. Well, some of us have just got a few drips and drops and things like that coming out. There's no river. <laughs> but we want the river of God to flow out. Amen? And so that not only we are blessed, but people around about us are blessed. Okay. Last time I spoke, which was two weeks ago, uh, I spoke from Daniel chapter 10. And we saw how Daniel had prayed and fasted for 21 days. And he was asking God for the interpretation of a disturbing dream that he had. It was a dream about end times. And so God sent a messenger to Daniel, if you remember, an angel. And, and the, the very first day that Daniel prayed, God answered. But the messenger was held up by demonic forces. And there was a battle going on in the heavenlies which stopped Daniel from receiving uh, what God wanted him to receive. And I want to say this morning that there still is a battle going on, whether you recognize it or not. Uh, Frank DiMaggio tells the true story of a New Yorker, John Bailey, and how uh, John was getting out of his car uh, on the way to his office one morning when the car in front backed into him and caused a slight scratch on his bumper. And while um, John Bailey wanted to forget the incident, the well-dressed businessman who had backed into him insisted on compensating for him. So he, he asked for um, John's address and promised to send him two tickets to the latest Broadway musical. Well, two weeks later, the tickets arrived. 
Uh, not only were they great seats, but they came with a gift certificate for dinner at a top restaurant before the show. Well, the Baileys were absolutely, absolutely amazed at their luck and the generosity of the stranger. The night of the show was absolutely fantastic. It was everything that it promised to be. The dinner was superb. The show was fantastic. And the Baileys were just so thrilled until they got home and opened the door and they both began to cry. You see, everything in their house had been stolen. The thief had planned the whole evening so that he could empty their whole house and drive away in a fully packed moving van. The Baileys had lost everything because they didn't understand the schemes of the enemy. There are people here this morning and you've lost your joy. You have experienced broken relationships. You have experienced financial hardship. You've experienced spiritual wilderness situations and circumstances. But Jesus wants you to recover these situations. He came so that we might have life and life more abundantly. Abundant life is God's plan for our lives. And so if we're not experiencing that, then there is something blocking us or there's something stopping us from walking into everything that God has for us. When Jesus said pray in the Lord's Prayer, he said, pray, Lord, deliver us from the evil one. He tells us to pray that because he knew that firstly, we need to recognize that we're in a battle. And secondly, we need to call upon our God in prayer, knowing that our deliverance and victory comes through God's power and God's intervention in our situations and circumstances. And applying God's authority is the only way for breakthrough. It's not going to happen through our own wisdom and our own strength. You people here who are historians uh, will know that on June the 6th, 1944, uh, during World War II, the Allies stormed the beaches of Normandy, and that day began known as Steve D-Day. D-Day. You ever wondered what D stands for? I always thought it was Deliverance Day, but it's not. D actually stands for Day. D-Day was the day. It was the day. Everything in the calendar was marked from that. It was D minus two, meaning two days before D-Day. It was D plus one. Everything, everything revolved around that day. And D-Day and the battle that ensured was the turning point in the war for the liberation of, of Europe. For all practical purposes, the Allies won the war on that day. On D-Day. Even so, the Germans and the Japanese didn't surrender uh, or sign surrender documents officially until the next year. Meanwhile, that year between D-Day and the official surrender was the bloodiest year of the entire war. More people died during that year than in any other year. The enemy forces knew that they only had a little time left. And so... They acted 
out as if they were dead men walking. The church today stands between its own D-Day and the final absolute surrender of Satan. When Jesus died on the cross for the sins of mankind, that day was like the worst day of the lot. Everything seemed to be lost. Everything was dark. That was like Dunkirk, if you put it in historical terms. But when Jesus rose victorious, having plundered hell, that was like D-Day. That was Liberation Day. That was, hey, we've won the battle. Uh, Jesus won the battle, took back the authority that mankind had given Satan through sin. Satan was defeated on that day. But until Jesus comes again in victory to officially establish his kingdom, the church is engaged in the final throes of battle and must activate the authority that Jesus has given us. All right, we pray, God, deliver us from the evil one because we're in a battle and there is an enemy to be delivered from and because we need delivering from situations and circumstances that are designed by the enemy to distract us and to capture us and to make us ineffective and to rob us of the inheritance and the plans and the purposes and the dreams that God has for our lives. You know, if we're going to overcome the evil one and win the battle, then primarily it'll, it'll happen because of what Jesus Christ has already done for us. And it is applied by faith through us living in and applying the truth of God's word. So what's the truth about Satan? Satan is powerful. And he has an army. To some people, Satan's just a joke. There have been, there's been a dulling down of the perception of the demonic. So we've seen films like Harry Potter and Twilight, etc., making supernatural powers and beings seem absolutely cool. Uh, huge numbers of kids got involved in witchcraft, thinking it would be absolutely harmless when it just leads them into bondage. 1 John 5, 19 says, We know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. Uh, Ephesians 6, verse 12 says, For our, stress, for our struggle, it's not against flesh and blood. Turn to the person next to you and say, Our struggle isn't against flesh and blood. That person that is in absolute pain at work, our struggle isn't against flesh and blood. That neighbor that just gets your goat or your sheep or your cows. <laughs> our struggle isn't against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. Satan is powerful, but he's not all-powerful, and he's not all-knowing, and he's not present everywhere like God is. He's powerful, but he's limited. 1 John 4 verse 4 says, The one who is in you 
is greater than the one who is in the world. Amen. The one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Satan thinks he's got dominion over the world, but that is only because we've abdicated our authority. Dominion was given to Adam and Eve and never taken back after the fall. And we need to reclaim what is rightfully ours and given back to us through Jesus' death and resurrection. There is demonic activity in our city. There are powerful demonic forces at work in the north. And I think the north especially is targeted because the north is the place where the gospel was first preached. And I believe with all my heart that revival is coming again. And it's going to start in the north. And because of that, Satan is targeting. What's he targeting? He's, taking our young, he's targeting our young people for a start. Did you know that there are more suicides per head of population up here in the north than perhaps anywhere else in the world? That's not a social phenomenon just. I really believe that there are spiritual forces that are targeting our young people and trying to uh, suck the hope and the life out of them so that they think there is no reason for them to go on living. And uh, we need to do everything that we can to break the power of the enemy in those situations and circumstances and begin to speak life and hope into our young people. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they can't see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. So Satan can attack through the physical area. Uh, you read that if we had time, you go into the book of Job and see how Job was attacked physically by Satan. And also, uh, he can attack through physical situation. Um, Jesus, when he was on the lake and a great storm came up, he was able to rebuke the storm. Why? Because the storm was caused by the demonic. It wasn't a natural storm. When I'm, in the, when I'm on the golf course and I, I hit a chip shot and I yell out, stop, 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 guess what the ball does? Keeps going. <laughs> Just keeps going. Just keeps going, okay? So, but Jesus' situation, the storm wasn't a physical storm. It was physically manifested, but it was demonically inspired because the demons knew that Jesus was going across the lake and he was going to set a guy free who had a thousand demons in him. So there was an opposition to that situation. And at times we need to discern what is just the natural, what's happened through sowing and reaping, what's happening because it's just normal, or those things that are actually demonically inspired. And I'm not looking for demons under every bed but they exist and we play them down more than we should. If you go to a place like India, the demonic is in your face because people worship two million demons. And so they are manifest all the time. I remember the time that Penny went to ba um, babysit for a friend in Hamilton. Uh, the lady was having, um, had to go to hospital and uh, she'd had a number of problems uh, Penny offered to stay the night. She was lying on the couch in the um, living room and uh, in a sleeping bag. 
And she tells me that she, she woke up as someone was trying to pull the sleeping bag off her. She looked up and there was this big bright light. And fear gripped her. And all she could do was call out the name of Jesus. And this white light just drifted out of the room. Physical manifestation of the spiritual demonic. And many times we've been called into non-believers' houses uh, to cast out demons um, because of the oppression that's happening in those situations. The demonic is just incredibly, incredibly real. Uh, Also, uh, demons will tempt and distract because Satan's an angel of light. Uh, They use fear and deception to establish strongholds in our lives. And by the way, strongholds are anything that's got a hold of you that's strong. Okay, Sin opens the door to Satan, gives him authority in our lives. Um, A stronghold is a base from which he can operate and result in a blockage of spiritual growth. It's not just the presence of evil, but the absence of the presence of God and the glory of God and the blessing of God that can result in fear and deception and bitterness. Unforgiveness amongst Christians is probably the greatest open door for the enemy to come in. People who can't forgive open themselves up to all kinds of demonic activity and um, also in that situation... Um, bondage. Our prime objective in spiritual warfare is not just the removal of enemies, but it's paving the way for a restoration of God's favor and God's blessing and God's presence in an increasing manner in our lives. And there are many ways that we can enforce our victory, and we've sung about some of those um, this morning. And overcome the enemy, but they all rely on us using the power that God has given us. And 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3 says, For though we live in the world, we don't wage war as the world does. That's really important to recognize that you don't fight spirits with physical stuff, you fight spirits in the spirit. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world, on the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments, every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. You know, when you're thinking stuff, there are three voices that you'll find are going on in your head. Some of you right at the moment are thinking, this guy sounds a little bit off. You've got a conversation with yourself going on. But also, there is the inspiration of the Holy Spirit coming through, and the Holy Spirit will drop words. That's still small voice. But also, the enemy... Uh, will drop things. Have you ever been driving along the road and, and you'll hear this voice from within saying, hey, there's a lamppost there. Why don't you drive into it? Have you ever had that? Or am I the only one? Yeah, heaps here. <laughs> that's not me. I love life. That's not, that's not God. That's the enemy. Okay. What are the, some of the ways that we can enforce the victory that Jesus has already given for us. Well, there's the word of God, sharper than every two-edged sword. There's worship. 
You know, time and time and time again, we've had people set free during worship. No one played for them. No one laid hands on them. But there's a power of the presence of God during worship. God inhabits the praises of his people. God inhabits the praises of his people. And so worship is a key time. That's why I encourage people to come five, ten minutes early so you're settled and you're ready to worship. You're ready to receive and you're ready to give during that worship time. There is witnessing. When you witness, you break chains of bondage. The enemy hates that. Your faith, activating your faith when you step out in faith, that breaks chains. Holy and righteous living. Wow. Wow. Living by the Spirit, walking in the Spirit. Righteous living. You can't be, you can't be living outside of God's boundaries and expect God to bless you. So holy, righteous living is powerful. Applying the blood of Jesus. Our salvation testimony. These are all things that establish spiritual forces, spiritual strongholds in our lives. When you do those things in a repetitive nature uh, and they become a habit in your life, they become a stronghold. They become a stronghold. But our victory is enforced and reinforced through prayer. So we've got to pray. Guys, we've got to pray. In the battle, the key is to cry out to God in prayer. Jesus, yeah, yeah, you can clap. That's right. Jesus said in Luke 22, verse 31, talking to the disciple Simon. He said, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. In other words, Simon Peter was a target of the enemy. He said, but I've prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. So there's a couple of things there. First of all, Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God and he's praying. He's interceding for us. The Bible tells us that. We can, um, we can be encouraged by that. But... It's our job to pray now. It's our job to intercede. It's our job to see those that are weaker than ourselves, perhaps, and stand in the gap on behalf of them. God wants to bless, but we are the ones that must contend in prayer. We are the ones who must stand in the gap. We are the ones who must intercede for others. We are the ones who must fight those battles. At next year's New Zealand and Beyond Conference, there's a guy by the name of Jay Johns. Okay, and... Um, those of you who were with us a few years back will um, remember him uh, from the Just Ten uh, crusade that we had. Well, here's a short clip of Jay Johns. He has um, he's taken his wife to a, sp- to a spa to be pampered. He just wants to bless his wife. This is what happens at the spa. Have a look. And uh, we arrived at the spa, and, and the doors opened. And as they opened and we walked in, I was like, oh, no. There was all these Buddhas. And there was no Buddhas on the website. I didn't see a Buddha on the website. And I was like, I can't believe her. I, I believe that I brought Killy to, to a place full of idols. And you could feel this oppressiveness. And, and then as we arrive, this woman comes with a gong. Bong! Welcome! Welcome! And it's like, oh, no! What have I brought Killy to? So anyway, they take us 
into this couple's suite. And they say, we've run you a mineral bath. You need to soak in the mineral bath. And then you shower, lie on the two tables, and we will be back for your first treatment in 30 minutes. So they leave. I said to Killy, Killy, can you feel it? She says, I can feel it. I said, can you feel the oppression and the darkness? She says, yeah, I can feel it. I said, let's clean it. She says, look, I'll have a bath, you clean it. So Killy's having a soak, and I'm like, I'm really into it. I'm kind of like, get out of here. You know, there was no window. So if there was a window, I would have opened the window. Get out of the window. But there was just the door with just a little bit at the bottom. Get out, get out. And I was like, and I was cleaning it. Come, Holy Spirit, come, Holy Spirit. I had to hurry to have my soak and shower. Okay, we're lying on the tables. The two therapists walk in. True story, my wife's there. I'm not being evangelistic. My wife is there. Honestly, she can testify to this. The two therapists walked in, and one of the therapists says, who are you? Right? The towel had fallen down, so my head got a bit jammed in the hole. And you know, you know, you can feel you got a mark, you know, like this. So I'm kind of like, I'm, I'm sorry. And she said, who are you? I said, what do you mean? And this is what she said. What have you done to this room? Because she was a new ager. And she had a receptivity And therefore, she could feel that the room was different. So I said, ah, you mean the aroma? She said, yes, the aroma. And then so the next six hours, we're telling her about the aroma of Christ. And, you know, which is fine. I'm chilled about that. But prayer, when we pray, when we pray, we can change things. Why? Because we are carriers of the presence of Jesus. Uh, you'll enjoy him if you go to conference next year. But basically, we're carriers of the presence of Jesus. We've got the same spirit within us that raised Jesus from the dead. We can clear out things. We can defeat enemies. Everything happens through prayer. Our strength comes through prayer. We put on the armor or protection of God through prayer. We contend with the enemy in prayer. We stand our ground through prayer, and victory will come through prayer. Not our resources, not our wisdom, not our strength. Most of you who have read in Esther chapter 4 will know of the young Jewish woman who was chosen to marry the most powerful king in the world at that time, the Persian king, King Xerxes. Within Xerxes' court was an incredibly powerful man called Haman, and he was the highest-ranking official under the king, but he was evil, and he plotted to destroy God's people, the Jews. Queen Esther finds out about Haman's evil scheme, but doesn't know what to do. She, she seems safe. She's married to the king. Should she approach the king and intercede on behalf of her people? Well, by law, anyone who approached the king uninvited would mean death. 
So she tells her uncle Mordecai about the situation, and this is what Mordecai says. He says, don't think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. And who knows, but that you have come to royal position for such a time as this. You know, I believe that as a church, we've been called together in Whangarei for such a time as this. We haven't been called just to have happy clappies on a Sunday morning. We haven't been called just to have a great fellowship break. And, you know, we've got a great church family. And I love the fellowship. I, you know, we've got more than half of our church attending, uh, regularly attending life groups. And so there is something neat that's been knit into the fabric of this church. Uh, but we have been called for such a time as this. Because God wants us to continue the mandate that we've had for the last 20 years and which is to be a breakthrough church in our city. And as we break new ground, we bring other churches in behind us, always. That has been the case over the last 24 years and it's still happening. If we remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise from another time, another place. But... But we've been called to this position for such a time as this. People, if you don't pray, if you don't pray for yourself, then you just surrender to the enemy. Father, if you don't pray for your family, you've just left them to open and exposed to the attack of the enemy. People, if we want God's protection and blessing on this church, we've got to pray. If we want God to pour out his spirit on the city, then we've got to pray. And that's why we initiated the Combined Churches prayer meetings uh, once a month. Never in the last 24 years since we've been in the city have we got together every month to pray. And yet now we have about 150 people who on the last Sunday of every month will join together and pray. Imagine if we had 300 people coming together and praying where people dwell in unity. God commands the blessing. So I want to encourage you. There's two things I want to encourage you to do. One, set aside one hour on a Thursday night and come and pray. Come and pray with us. I, I really believe that one of the reasons why we've seen, seen an increase in the presence of God in our meetings is because uh, half the musicians are coming along to the prayer meeting. And so there is an anointing that they carry that we receive. So come along and break through in prayer. And then also the last Sunday of the month, from 6.30 to 8 o'clock at one of the churches, there will be a combined churches prayer meeting. Get along. Create unity. You might not even be a great prayer. Well, just get along and just say amen to other people's prayers. But come and put your voice, put your weight behind what God is doing in this city. The key to intimacy with Jesus is prayer. The key to refreshing in this church is prayer. The key to revival in the city is prayer and unity amongst God's people. It's our responsibility to pray, and God's to answer whenever and however he sees fit. Romans 13, 11, people, the hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber. 
because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. We need to wake up. We need to wake up. The only authority Satan has is the authority that we have given him. Don't be deceived. Take back what is ours. Why don't we um, start and distribute the communion? Uh, If you just hold the communion cup and the bread. I've got a few more verses to that I want to give us this morning. Romans 8.31 says, What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? In other words, it doesn't mean that there won't be anyone against us. It just means that if God's for us, it doesn't matter who else is against us because we're, we're on the winning side. We're on the majority. We're on the most powerful side. And then it goes on in Romans 8.37 no, in all these things we are more than conquerors through, through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's have the musicians come up too, please. 1 John 4 verse 4. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who's in the world. The authority that we enforce by faith is that one for us by Jesus. And it's a bit like this. Have you ever seen a policeman standing in the road directing traffic? I mean, when you think about it, it's a little bit stupid. You've got this one, one person and he puts his hand up and a truck will stop. Why is that? If it was Jeremy Perkins, the truck isn't stopping because Jeremy thinks it could stop. No. Behind that hand is the weight, is the authority of the government of New Zealand. So if you don't obey that hand, you aren't... You aren't in trouble with the person of the policeman. You are in trouble with the authority, the power behind the person. And the same is true with us. When we speak, we don't speak from our own perspective, but we speak with the authority of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So demons flee, demons get out, Demons' powers are broken, not because we say so in itself, but because the authority behind us, the authority of Jesus Christ says so. And that's where our faith uh, aligns. I want us to start off with highest praises, Lord Lord of all. Okay. It's time, people, to recover everything that the enemy has stolen from us recover the relationships that the enemy has sought to destroy recover personal promises and prophecies that the enemy has stolen recover that spirit of faith that perseveres until it overcomes you know Satan doesn't want you to pray and keep on praying he doesn't want you to knock and keep on knocking he doesn't want you to receive differently we need to start recover, recovering the miracles of healing and deliverance. And wasn't it great to hear from those young people this morning uh, about what God, God's doing? They 
received because they stepped out in faith to receive. Bible says, are there any sick amongst you? Call for the elders of the church. They'll anoint you with oil. They'll pray. Often when we are sick, we don't have a lot of faith. That's why you get somebody else to pray for you. If you need a breakthrough, get somebody else to pray for you and let their faith be applied to that situation and release the Holy Spirit into your situation. Recover financial prosperity, the joy of the Lord, wasted years. Recover the people that the enemy has stolen from the kingdom. There are, a whole, there are thousands out there who have walked away from God because of offences that have happened in the church over the years. God wants us to recover those. God wants us to stand in the gap. God wants us to begin to speak into these people's lives, to have the, their eyes opened to the truth, the love of God. Recover the blessing of God on our homes and families. Recover the cities the enemy has stolen. I love what's happening in Kai Tire. You know, we were up at Kai Tire last week, and uh, you know how we did a prayer walk uh, as a oncer? They're doing a prayer walk every month. Every month they're going out and walking around their streets. So I thought, what a fantastic thing. Why don't we do that? Why don't we, as life groups, why don't we as a congregation set aside some time that we can pray, we can just walk around our neighbourhoods and pray and ask God to change the spiritual atmosphere in our neighbourhoods. Recover the blessing of God on our nation. Oh, how we need that, people. One of the things that I was incredibly encouraged by over the weekend was the new Prime Minister in Australia. And some of you are thinking, what? I read an article in the Daily Mail in the UK which said, Hillsong's most influential parishioner. You see, the new Prime Minister of Australia goes to one of the Hillsong satellite churches in, uh, in Sydney. He's a born-again filled with the Holy Spirit man and nobody saw it coming nobody saw it coming pray for him pray for him pray for him God is positioning people in higher places for what he wants to do and he wants to position some of you for influence in the years to come but we're going to stand up and begin to claim what God has given us the authority that God has given us.